Naturalized. This is the beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus. Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores. It's 3-0 United States. Welcome to Bone and Beam United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. And we have a special guest joining us on Greg our... Greg Berhalter. Hey, welcome in. Greg Berhalter's here. This is awesome. I kind of look like him a little bit. That's right. Uh, it... <laughs> well, you do have the shaved head. That's evil, exactly what I was going for. Evil Bald Colin is what they call him on the station. Colin Berenger, uh, your producer for Rothman and Ice on the fan and also host of Mad About Hoops with Tim Hall, the college basketball podcast we do, has decided to join us for this podcast because he is a massive soccer fan, USA fan as well, USA soccer fan. How you doing, Colin? You ready for this? Yeah, well, I, I'm nervous. I got that pit in my stomach that I'm super nervous about, but at the same time, I mean, it's a great opportunity. I, I've told you guys in the weeks leading up to us, like this is a team that could go 0-3 or 3-0 in group play. That's just how wide open it feels. Yeah, it. I, I, am, I am with you on that. I am terrified right now about the start of the world cup with this U S national team. And we'll get into why we'll explore all that. Uh, we'll get our temperatures on, on this team and the roster and everything else. And then I've got some questions for you guys, some expectations. What are we thinking? What happens if they don't make it out of the group stage? For example, we'll, we'll dive into all that. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I, well, you're right. taking me to the bad place. <laughs> so we'll get into all those things. And then, uh, just kind of, you know, give you our final thoughts on where we think this goes and what we think is likely to happen for this U S national team as they roll in. So if you're looking for just nothing else other than U S soccer preview for the world cup, we've got you covered here. That's what we're doing. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Beamer. I was going to say, uh, before we get going, uh, with Colin, little, little backstory on Colin, Colin, you played soccer. You were a kicker in American football as well. Your sister is a magnificent soccer player. She plays at Baldwin Wallace. All yeah. right, so she plays at oh, Baldwin really? Wallace. Okay, uh, awesome. She's very good. So you have a background, obviously, uh, of everything with the game, probably more than T-Bone and I, other than just cracking <laughs> open the microphone. No, he's actually played. And speak, yes, you've actually played soccer. I played in a rec league. I threw a bicycle kick one time. I think Dayton, Ohio had their first earthquake ever uh, when that <laughs> happened, when I landed. Anyways, that's beside that's the point. That's definitely the term they use when they do that is, I threw a bicycle kick. Oh, that's yeah, what they for say. Sure. That's uh, how the soccer well, players I say attempted, it. I attempted to <laughs> I attempted a bicycle kick ball actually went off my knee and I missed so I did get up there I did make contact but it did not go in uh, I still took my shirt off and ran around even though I missed it uh, Colin as well uh, you are your Premier League fan why don't you dive into who you support in the Premier League as well because I know uh, we have fun conversations about these guys all the time yeah so I when I got into it back about more seriously in the more recent years, but when I was just kind of a casual fan about 10 years ago, I was thinking, you know, I support the Browns, so why don't I find the most Brownsy team I can find in the Premier League? And that happened to be Tottenham. And you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you, the way they play this year, it sure feels like it. Yeah, I mean... They play in something called a Champions League, which I can't ever imagine the Browns well, getting invited to a thing right. called the Champions League. No but trophies, though. No trophies, them. that's fair, right? So... Yeah, that's that's a, that's a solid pick out of you. If you were looking for like a team that's like the Browns, that probably isn't going to get relegated ever. Like they've got talent. I mean, they've got the Nick Chubb, they've got the the Harry Kane. Yes. But at the same time, they're playing like stop your heart type of games against like Leeds United. Oh yeah, thanks, Bones for, guys. Thanks for yeah, Leeds United. That's right. That's my team this year. That's who I've adopted this year. 
Only this year. Well, you're a good patriot. I kind of, I kind of, I mean, you kind of have to, especially as an American with Jesse Marsh, Tyler, Tyler Adams, yeah. and Brendan Aronson. Yeah, the uh, Medford Messi, as we like to call him. <laughs> Dude's, uh, he's a pretty talented guy. Um, all right. So, like you said, your this could be a wide open group for the U.S. Uh, for those who have not listened to any of the other stuff we've talked about, or you have no idea who the U.S. are playing. They have three games. They get three points for a win, one for a tie, zero for a loss. After those three games, all four teams in the group, they'll add up their points and they'll figure out who goes on to the next round. Uh, top two teams get to go. The U.S. is in a group with Iran, Wales, and a little team called England. It's coming home. It's not coming home. Screw them. Are, what are we talking about? It's coming home. No, we're going to stop it from coming home. That's what I want. But here's what I also want. I want you to know how nervous I am because mm-hmm. I, I look at what England has. That is a top five team in the world. They clearly are of the caliber. They could win this whole thing. They are that good. Wales is a team that is on par. I think even probably a little better talent-wise could be. As far as what their talent has actually shown they can accomplish in their careers than the U.S. And they have a top-end guy in Gareth Bale who's beyond anything that a U.S. national team has really ever Just had. Score the equalizer at the death uh, MLS Cup final Don't well. disrespect... Josie Altador like that. <laughs> yeah, your guy. Right. I forgot. Gareth Bale is now just an MLS striker. <laughs> but at one time, this was a man playing for Real Madrid, among other luminary teams he's played for. So, fine. Uh, and then you have Iran, who they won their group. Excuse me. I almost choked on my own spit. They won their group in Asia, and they were a pot three team and somehow ended up in this group with the U.S. and England and Wales. Like, they're not going to be an easy out. They're a really talented team. So this is going to be a tough, tough group to get out of. Now, that all said, why maybe I'll let you guys answer this. It's been eight years since the U.S. Mm -hmm. was in a World Cup because they missed in 2018. Uh, I have the number here somewhere. It's like 3,000. How many days? 3,000-something days since the U.S. played in a World Cup. It would be 3,000 days. 3,065 days. That's it. Um, So... Here's we don't need to talk about that game either. No, no, no. no, we, Nope, nope. We're all good with that. We don't need to talk about it. But you know who, Hey, fun fact before we get going on this. Do you know who the last goal scorer for the U.S. men's national team in a World Cup is? I do. It Was it Deuce? No. Who was it? Julian Green. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Julian Green. Was going to be the future of... That was... And again, for those who may wonder, what's changed about the U.S. national team? That. Well, here's one thing, <laughs> now right? Now it's just Christian Pulisic. No, Chris Wondolowski. Right. Oh, God. Well, you brought this up in the office the other day, Colin, and you're spot on, that we went from a manager eight years ago uh, in Jurgen Klinsmann who was like, I must find every guy with the possibility of attaining like U.S. heritage or having like a a grandfather who was from the United States in Germany and then get that guy to flip to the U.S. That's what that was the strategy years ago. Now, Berhalter's almost a guy who's like, oh, you have European experience? Eh, I don't know if I need that. To hell with you. Yeah. And so it's a very different thing that's happened here uh, for the U.S. And we'll talk more about Greg Berhalter and all of that. But one thing that has changed for this team is the, the era of, the Landon Donovan crew, that that whole that whole time is done, mm-hmm. right? Landon Donovan played in his first World Cup in 2002, and then he was the end of that cycle was like 2014, where he was like the the last old guy. Actually, wasn't well, he was left off that team, yeah. wasn't he? Yep. But it like he was, yeah. But he, that was like he was still in the mix and could have possibly made it and was left off the team. But that era now is we're fully away from that era, 
And we kind of went through this, what they called lost generation that didn't have the big talent, but Christian Pulisic, part of that group that was supposed to, they were supposed to make it in 2018. He was on the field. He could have helped night with that. Trinidad and Tobago. Right. But we're not going to talk about it because no. we already said, we're not going to talk about it. But Christian Pulisic was one of the few guys who was there and he was like super young and it was his first world cup. We hoped now this is his actual first world cup. Like he comes in now as a, you know, the phenom who's realized some of that potential is playing really, in the premier or is league. Is that something that, that we have doctored up ourselves here for casual fans? Like, honest question. No, honest I'm, question. I'm saying as far as like the talent he possesses. Yeah. He is one of the most talented players the U S has ever produced. Has he turned it into the level that I think he should be playing at in the premier league? No, but is he disappointing to me at times? Absolutely. But is he, is he supremely talented? Yes. I think, I mean, he's one of the most talented players the U S has ever produced. And I'd like to see him take the next step in this world cup and be a breakout, not a breakout star. Cause everyone knows who he is. Yeah. We're all kind of sick of hearing about him at some point, but like, but we know who he is. I'm saying now's the time to show that that hype is not wrong to your point being. Um, I just, so on the Christian Pulisic thing, I mean, listen, we've talked about him. We've been doing this podcast for four years now. I mean, we've talked about him playing at Borussia Dortmund and we've talked about him and his big move to Chelsea. And all of a sudden he has a disagreement with Thomas Tuchel and Thomas Tuchel gets fired. Is that because the owner at Chelsea being American and he wants Pulisic there? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but whatever it is, you're right. He's bone. He's going to have to be fantastic in this tournament. I think for, you know, the U S men's national team, if they want to get out of this group, if they want to go and do some things in the knockout rounds, he is going to have to be the guy that you expected him to be when he came through the national system, when he missed out on that last world cup cycle and a guy who brings his worth of what Chelsea paid for him upwards of $60 million, right? Like that's when you're talking about like eye popping numbers, like boy, American going to one of the biggest clubs in the world for a number like that, you set the expectations. And so far has Christian Pulisic been good for this team. Yeah. But we're sitting here and like pumping our chest, like, Oh, this is going to be the guy he's going to lead us. He's going to win the ball on door. He's going to be the golden boot winner of the tournament. Like he's not, he's not that guy. And so for expectations for me, when we go to guys with immense more pressure, Sure, surely Christian Pulisic has that on him. There's no doubt. Sometimes he can't get out of his own way. When we're looking at this as fans and wanting this team to to do well, I almost think that Tyler Adams has way more pressure on Christian Pulisic given the state of this group, Colin, with everything that he does and the way that he can control the game. Can Christian Pulisic go out there and win the game for you? Yeah, absolutely he can. Can Tyler Adams put in a bad shift and lose you the game if he turns off for a split second in this group? Yeah, way more than Christian Pulisic can. Yeah, I completely agree with that. He's kind of what makes it run through that middle and how they like to get it out and go to the wings, especially how dominant their wings have been in qualifying too. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious to see the X factor ability of Gio Reyna. Like, what are we going to yep. get from him? Because mm. especially in the final part of that window with Dortmund, you kind of could tell he was kind of taking it a little easy because he wanted to, you know, preserve himself to be healthy. Finally, be healthy. I was happy. I was happy the when they sat him after 45 minutes. Like, all right, you're healthy. I was happy. Go to Cutter. I Go. mean, I mean, besides being a Tottenham fan. And, you know, the red card being in my favor, it was good to get Adams out and on, on two soft fouls so that <laughs> he's not dealing with any possible issues there. Like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was just me being hypersensitive to playing that close to the window. But it was like, you, you know, play a little bit, get your feet wet and then just get out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so let's let's actually let's pause there and let's go into the roster. Like, let's just give everybody the roster beamer. We can work through that and then we'll kind of give you like what we think the starting lineup is going to be, what we think it should be guys were going to come off the bench for this team. Yep. I will say this. 
the potential that is on this team oh, great. is amazing, especially when we get into like who they have to bring in off the bench for this team in some positions. Not in all positions, but in some positions, the U.S. is extremely deep. But yeah, God so me. goalies for this one, we talked about this in our group preview, was Greg Berhalter leaving Zach Stefanoff. So he's not making the trip to Cutter. He is not over there with the boys. So your keepers, Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath, and Sean Johnson. I'm sure we can get into the Zach Stefan conversation as well. Defenders for your Cameron Carter, Vickers, Sergio Dest, Aaron Long, Shaq Moore, Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson. Also goes by Jedi, which is a tremendous nickname. Joe Scally, DeAndre Yedlin, and Walker Zimmerman. Your midfielders, Brendan Aronson. Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Luca Delatore, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Christian Roldan, and then your forwards that you're going to be rolling out there in Cutter in that first match day. Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent, Tim Wea, and Haji Wright. So that's your 26-man roster for the U.S. men's national team 2022 run to the cup. Colin, was there anyone who stood out to you that got selected in that roster that you are not a fan of for the U.S. national team? Is there anyone? There's, that... there's always quite a few. Some that I don't like, but I understand them being there. Like, I understand a Christian Roldan or a Jesus Ferreira. I, I get those guys being on this roster. You, you just know Greg enjoys those guys. But, man, I, I, I get that it was between Jordan Morris and Paul Ariola, but at the same time, like, Hopefully he doesn't see any time. Like I, I don't, this is the this has got to be number twenty six on the roster. Hopefully, huge Jordan Morris guy, Colin. But I just don't. Dude, if he plays, he's just not a threat. I just don't. I've get never it. understood the Jordan Morris defenders. I've never understood the people who like this dude as a player. Like in MLS, he's been a solid, very good player. But he's not a guy to me. Kind of guy that Greg wants. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess, man. Except, uh, whatever. We we can do it now. Unless if you're Ricardo Pepe and it's like, hey, if you want to play, you better get over to Europe and do some stuff. And he's like, oh, I went over to Europe and I'm like banging in goals and I'm setting up goals. And it's like, yeah, I'm leaving, you off the, I'm leaving you off the roster. Now, that's Ricardo Pepe's a forward. He could have been a target striker for this team. Uh, he is not brought in on the roster. Bigger guy, kind of like a, a, a body type that you don't have as much on this U.S. national team right now. And like you said, Jesus Ferrer is a guy who, you know, this is an MLS Young Player of the Year He's very talented. He is a good player. Um, but he and Ricardo Pepe had kind of the same issue. Jesus Ferreira scored one goal in, I think, 11 U.S. national team matches, 11 or 12. Ricardo Pepe did not score a goal for the U.S. in, like, almost a year. After having a bunch of goals right. in World Cup qualifying matches, big goals that were extremely helpful. And he is, I mean, he I think he scored three in, in World Cup qualifying, which is pretty good. But he didn't have any for, like, a year and so that left Greg Berhalter saying, "Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring him." And I'm not saying that's the wrong decision. I just, you, you really have one type of player now. All the guys you have are more or less smaller guys, under six foot guys. You're not gonna have like big bodies that are gonna up and like win a ton of aerial battles. I mean, maybe your best guy in the air at forward is Josh Sargent. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. that's. I mean, yeah. and Josh Sargent is not a big dude, but like if you're thinking, yeah, if but you, he's gritty. If you're like me and you watch, you know, I was bathed in the blood of Brian McBride many a moon ago watching the World Cup, right? And the thing with Brian McBride is that's a dude who was like over six feet tall, got up in the air, was going to go up for every header on every cross. He was going to be in the mix. He could come back and help you on a set piece on defense. Like they don't have that forward on this roster. John Brooks is pretty good at heading balls into goals. And he was a a defender. I know, uh, but he's. 
I, he's a good he's, aerial guy. Well, he it's it's just a shame that he's been kidnapped and then shot up to Saturn, and we've never heard of him again. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> that guy's just gone. He's completely out of the picture. Talking about the big body guys, I, I thought... <sighs> I didn't think it was actually going to happen, but I thought it was a possibility that Pifak would be on this team because oh, yeah. of what yeah, he Jordan provides Pifak has played very well uh, in Europe and and did not get a look either, which was kind of surprising. Haji Wright has been scoring goals and playing well, but again, you just they. I'm I'm hopeful that I get the Haji Wright pick. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do. No, actually, he brings camaraderie. Was especially a bunch of those guys he played with back with the U17s. Yeah, so that's. I mean, there you need that too, right? I mean, I know Greg Berhalter is not looking at this like a fantasy roster where it's like, well, this guy and this guy and this guy. Yeah, just all 26 of these guys are not going to see action. I mean, well, but I mean, they also have to. Pl- they have to. the The team has to be good. Like the 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 chemistry has to be good. The 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 locker room has to be good. The hotel has to be good. Like the teams that are always successful, nine times out of ten everyone gets along really well. And so that's a good point that like Haji Wright bringing that camaraderie and not being a, a scrub of a player. He's yeah. a good player. But I think that's something that you, we have to keep in mind as we talk about these roster decisions where some of them don't make a lot of sense in some cases, but maybe like, again, maybe Jordan Morris just gets in the hotel and he is the light, like at the buffet, he is always letting the hotel staff know, Hey, we're out of milk. We're out of OJ. Let's get this fixed. Yep. Like maybe he's really good in that way. Cause I don't see much else of a reason for him to be on this <laughs> roster, but whatever. No, I don't either. I just, I don't, I don't really, I mean, to Colin's point, I don't get it. Like it's like the scene out of big, like where he's explaining the, the toy to Tom Hanks. There's like, I, I don't get it. I just, I don't understand it. Like you had a, multitude of different options that you can go and Jordan Morris is the guy that you picked. I think that was a maddening one uh, for us men's national team fans. And again, I mean, I know this is our guy and Greg had very, very uh, a lot of chemistry with, and a lot of time spent with him. I, I hope the best for the us men's national team, obviously the Zach Steffen debacle and leaving him off the roster, even with Greg's familiarity. And even if he wasn't a Columbus crew player, and we weren't doing a podcast based out of Columbus, Ohio, in a studio that is Columbus Crew themed. I don't understand that. I mean, I don't. Sean Johnson, okay, he's been good in the times that he's played for the U.S. Men's National Team. He's been good in MLS. Ethan Horvath, all right. I mean, Matt Turner has been hurt. He's been injured. He's been dealing with an injury. Yeah. And so I know that Zach Steffen has as well. Like, he's been in and out of the lineup for his club team in Middlesbrough over in England. He maybe hasn't been in the best run of form, but when you're talking about top tier keeper ability is he maddening some sometimes will he let in a howler of a goal yeah he can give you that but he can also stop goals coming in the box at 80 miles an hour with a palm of a hand out of nowhere so I guess the weighing of that like top tier ability or is he in a bad mental space I just I don't know what happened and for Turner's aspect and his perspective I hope he's healthy and I hope he's in good form because I think it was rather shocking that that happened I agree with you on that. We all we said this when this all happened, right? That I mean, you had Zach Steffen was signed by Manchester City and then didn't play. We and knew then, that was going to happen. And we knew that was going to happen. And then Matt Turner got signed by Arsenal and we knew he was going to struggle to get time as well. Like and so when that all happened over the last couple of years, we were looking at this going, "Hang on a second. We're going to have the two guys who are kind of like the top two keepers yeah. in the pool." that are going to be playing on teams where they may not get regular minutes. That can't be great. And then Stefan got loaned out a couple different times. And now he's, you know, with Middlesbrough and he was with a German club the year before. Like, so how much do you think that it didn't work out for him? But like, that's, I'm just saying like, I think they had, it almost felt like Greg just had to pick one or the other and say, that's my starter. And then all these other guys fill in different roles, but they're not the starter. Like 
Matt Turner is the starter if healthy. Like, that's just no question. How much do you think that performance against Uruguay and that friendly from Sean Johnson played into his role in making this team? Oh, I think the Sean Johnson thing is more of a, like, he's not a threat to, like, ever come in and be, like, the guy. But if there's an injury or something in a game where we have to send someone cold, we might choose him over Horvath. He's good enough. Just because he's, like, this veteran guy who's played in big games. He's played in big matches for his club team. Like, he he's not going to be afraid of a big stage, you know? And I think the Horvath thing is, like, probably more talented overall as a keeper and has a brighter future with the U.S. national team. But the Sean Johnson pick, I almost feel like, was like, yeah, this dude can play, and if we have to for 30 minutes because we have an injury, we'll feel more comfortable putting him in. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll never be on the reserve list for the keeper, and maybe he just is, you know, always off, not on the 18, but I tend to think he'll be around as the guy where it's like, yeah, if we have an injury in this game, we feel comfortable sending him in, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, so here's why goalkeeper, as much as that's important, may not be as important in this World Cup, and that is because the U.S. defense has been relatively strong, mostly because of who they have kind of up the middle of the park. Walker Zimmerman is your big, like, that's... We, we've talked a lot about guys who have question marks about. You have no question marks. At least I don't feel anybody does about Walker Zimmerman. He's like, good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, good. He's your starting center back. He's your, like, one of your keys to that defense. Him and Tyler Adams is defensive midfielder. Those two guys have a really good partnership. They understand each other. Tyler Adams is a smart player. I have a lot of thoughts on him. I love Tyler Adams as a player. And then Walker Zimmerman holds down your back line. The question is at the mm-hmm. other center back spot. Mm-hmm. That's where we have issues because of the injuries that have existed. So... Miles Robinson was the clear, no doubt, other choice there to pair up with Walker Zimmerman. And then he blew out his Achilles uh, back in, what was that, May or April? Early in the MLS season. So he's been, he was already knew he was going to miss. And then Chris Richards, who had kind of taken on like, well, if it's, you know, maybe he's the guy he could step in. He got hurt. Mm -hmm. And so now he's not there either. So the guys they have kind of at center back that are going to have to work in there, you have... Tim Ream, who's a long time, I mean, one of the few old guys on this team that hey. I would look at and say, I can't believe Tim Ream's still around, but he is. Pep Guardiola said a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that if that. Tim Ream was 10 years younger, he'd be playing for Pep at Manchester City. Well, and he, I mean, he captains a Premier League team. Yep. That should be noted, right? He captains Fulham. Going down is a long line of U.S. players who have had nice games at Craven Cottage, yeah. right? That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hell, they have a they have a bar at Craven Cottage named McBride's yeah. after Brian McBride. Like, they also have a Michael Jackson statue there, which they do. I find interesting. They do. That's right. Um. So, so anyway, like Tim Ream has Premier League. Qual- I I am guaranteeing you the reason he's on this roster is because Greg Berhalter looked at the schedule and goes, Ah, oh, we play England and Wales. A lot of dudes from. Premier I League guarantee there. you that Tim Ream starts. That's I, a, I think really? so too. You think so? Yes. I think so too over Aaron Aaron Long. Aaron yeah, so Long Aaron is Long's just, the other guy. Yeah, go ahead. No, Aaron Long. And then Cameron Carter Vickers also has mm-hmm. Premier League experience as well. Like these are not these guys, they have definitely all got the potential to to start for this one. Tim Ream, though, does have that leadership aspect. He's just man, I'm worried about him and like a, I, like he's got lead feet. Right. He is not <laughs> quick. He's not quick. So it's got to be smart, tactical precision that he's going to have to bring. And Zimmerman's going to have to cover a lot of ground for whoever he's playing next to, I would think. So but. the whole Aaron Long situation, remember, because in the lead up, I mean, he's getting a lot of time. Yep. He was getting a lot of time next to Walker. And it looked like, all right, well, this is going to be the guy. And I just I'm I'm wondering with the inexperience that he has at the national team level being thrust into your first World Cup, like 
it's it's a sink or swim moment and i just i'm i'm trying to get inside of greg's head here and just thinking about the thought processes that he has whether right or wrong and that's what we're here for to you know dissect all of this but is he going to go with a guy who on his day will be better than tim ream and if you have a pacey attacker like will be better at marking that man and or are you going to go with the stymie veteran and say, listen, man, you know, you captain a Premier League team. You've been playing pretty well. You can't guard uh, Alejandro Garnacho from Manchester United. That's a different story for a different day uh, <laughs> in the last-minute winner. But at the same time, I, I think I, I'm almost guaranteeing you, at least trying to get into the mind of Triple G, that he is going to go and run out Tim Ream there as his other starting quarterback. I just That's the way that I feel about it. Yeah. Um, so let's do this. I will tell you who I think is going to start back line for those who are not paying attention. Like you said, uh, Jedi Robinson yep. is your right back. Serginho Dest, the pride of AC Milan now, which man, the guy's resume <laughs> from Barcelona, AC Milan, the teams he's played for, he's your left back Walker Zimmerman and some combination of Tim Ream, Aaron Long, Cameron Carter Vickers. One of those three guys will play alongside Walker Zimmerman. That's your back four. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we will talk about what the rest of the starting lineup probably looks like. We haven't talked really about the positives. We've talked a lot of negatives or question marks on this team. We'll get into the positive aspects and with the strengths of this team when we come back and tell you what our expectations are going forward. You're listening to the U.S. Men's National Team World Cup Preview from Bowdoin Beam United. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome back to our World Cup preview. Uh, I should mention, unrelated to anything we've been discussing so far, there is a global celebration of soccer that is going on sometime in the next few weeks. Yep. And if you would like to uh, participate in watching any of the global celebration of soccer, I don't know what that could be. Nope. Zaftig Italian Village is the place. We are going to do watch parties there with Zaftig. Watching for, what? For, well, there are there are a few dates that are come to mind. Uh, Monday, November 21st. Okay. They're calling it Whale Day All right. at uh, Zaftig Italian Village. I don't know <laughs> why. I will be there, and I have oh, a lot I of see. blubber. Whale Day, I see. got it. I see. Yep. Um, then that's that's at 2 p.m. is the celebration of global soccer on Whale Day, right. Monday, November 21st. Yep. And then Friday, November 25th, we celebrate and give thanks for the fact that we are no longer under British rule. Yes. So they call that English <laughs> Eng, Old English Lunch Day uh, there, Friday, November 25th. Is when you could possibly, I don't know, hang out and celebrate soccer in a global fashion at Zaftig Italian Village. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesday, November 29th, I ran so far away. I don't know why I just hummed that. That has nothing to do with anything. Anyway, no Tuesday, November 22nd, you can run to Zaftig Italian Village at 2 p.m. and celebrate global soccer with us by hoisting a USA IPA. Mm, that's delicious. delicious. So anyway, uh, go to uh, at Bonebeam United on Twitter if you'd like to find out more details about those global soccer celebrations, whatever they may be. All right, back to our World Cup preview. <laughs> Thank God we shifted gears out of whatever we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. That was totally different than what we're discussing. Boy, now. did you have an aneurysm? What were you doing? I don't know, man. That was so weird. Yeah. All right, um, so we've talked a lot about the flaws of this U.S. national team, some question marks for this team. 
the depth of this U.S. national team, I feel like, is in the midfield. I mean, this this yeah. is a, a midfield. I already talked about Tyler Adams a little bit, who starts things off in the defensive midfield. But then, I mean, you get to Weston McKinney. You get to Christian Pulisic, clearly, as we've mentioned. Uh, Gio Reyna is a guy who may not even start for this team. But my, my God, could he be good? Eunice Musa will start for this team. Yep. He has been a revelation. This midfield is going to be really good. They play a 4-3-3. Um, obviously Gio Reyna is probably going to play up in the top three in the forward line. But the point is they've got a lot of guys that can move the ball, who are able to read a defense, who are able to, I think, really play well when they're all playing together. And for the first time in most of the last four years, knock on wood, they're all healthy. Yep. <laughs> so maybe we get to see them all play. Like I basically have said, if we could get these guys all healthy for a month straight, sky's the limit for this. Now team. we're here. We're here. We're here and they're relatively healthy. Yeah. So fingers crossed. I was about to say between Pulisic, uh, McKinney, uh, Geo, and Tyler Adams. T- Tyler Adams. Like I think they've only played like a combined like single digit amount of games yes. within the last yeah calendar they, year or something like that. Right. They have not had a lot of time together. And so dividing those two groups up, like Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, those guys are all the like old veteran yeah. 23, 24 year old guys who haven't played in a world cup yet, but they're all expected to kind of be the more of the, the leadership on this team on the field. Then you have Gio Reyna. Who's 19. He's brilliant. He is. He's brilliant. If healthy and if available for all three games, my God, like the, you can deploy a lot of different front lines here with this forward group that you have. Cause Gio could come in and play. I've obviously it depends on how they're going to deploy everyone in this lineup, but Berhalter's got a lot of options there if he wants to. You've got Brendan Aronson, who is still, I guess, the older age group, but he's more recently come into like his own as a tremendous player at midfield. Oh, he's great. You have Tim Weah, who I think is phenomenal when healthy, is a really good addition to this team. Um, I mean, you you said Eunice Musa, we haven't talked much about, but like this is a really solid group of forward midfield attacking options that can could do some very good things. And Eunice Moose was also very good at like organizing, getting the ball yeah. back, getting it back into the dangerous spaces. I think him and Weston McKinney are both great into that. Weston McKinney's very good at also getting into dangerous Well, and spaces. you know what? I was talking about aerial, like dangerous. He, he's Weston McKinney yeah, he's is going to oh, be yeah. the guy, if, especially if like Josh Sargent isn't out there. Like that's the guy that they're all going to be watching on set pieces to try to stop. So if he can get up and win those battles and at least knock the ball down into the box, and then so, you've got a bunch of guys who could pounce on it and knock it in. Like, that's going to be their option on set pieces, I feel like. Yeah, I do too. Colin, if you're putting your managerial hat on, you know, you're running out the midfield there. We can get to the attack in the second wings and striker as well. Uh, if you're running out three guys, I would imagine that you're going to have Tyler Adams there sitting back a little bit as your defense. Who anchors him in the midfield for you? Who do you who do you, who, who do you want to see and who do you think Greg's going to go with? Because those are I two think- wildly <laughs> different arguments. <laughs> I think he's gonna do the the Musa McKinney stack yeah, right there. I kind of so. do, kind of do like an inverted triangle right there. I, I think that's his best option. But quite honestly, just watching experts, especially on Fox and CBS and Paramount, whatever, I've seen so many different variations. Like I just saw a, a lineup last night that didn't have McKinney in the starting lineup. But it's but the way that they're building their this. I think they had like an Adams Musa uh, midfield, and then they were more of an attack oh, I attack in front. I got you. Um, but yeah, it's just going to depend on whether he wants to be aggressive or conservative with his lineup. And I think especially against Wales to start, he should be aggressive. I agree. And we'll get to the forwards later on. But I think definitely with that triangle in the middle, 
and I would get a little freaky with it. I, I've been, I don't always agree with Alexi Lalas, but I, he's been on the false nine idea since the end of qualifying. And I think if you did, he was going with Wea. I think you could put also put Reyna in that mix in that false nine. But if you don't want to play one of these top three guys in your first game as a striker, you could do that and still keep a Wea and Pulisic on the edges and still be very attackive. Yeah, I, I think that the group that they have here gives him some options to mess around with it. Now, from a tactic standpoint for Greg, this is one of the things with Greg Berhalter that uh, if you're, again, if especially if you're not following this and you're like, why do some of the U.S. fans seem to not like Greg Berhalter? Well, among the reason, Bone. Among the reasons, one of them is that Greg Berhalter's system is one that has benefited greatly when he employed it with the Columbus crew. Obviously, we're crew fans here. We all got to watch a lot of those games, so we know quite a bit about what it's like to watch him manage a roster and manage uh, and, and organize a team. And I mean, that that group played exceptionally well together. Because they stayed in the system. Because club teams play 30-some games <laughs> a year, and they have a billion practices to get it right. National teams, you're bringing in guys from all over the world, playing different systems, different deployments, different everything. And then now you're saying, you have to be in this spot every single time when the ball goes here. And when it goes there, you have to be over in this other spot every single time. And then when the ball comes here, you have to be in this spot every single time. And having this very drilled system where you've got to know 19 different responsibilities yeah. on every movement. And and I mean, again, it it's not quite the same. And Colin, you could probably speak to this better than I could, but it's the difference between having like an NBA offense where it's like, oh uh, yeah, we just kind of let these dudes play. We get the ball to, we isolate one guy and let him work versus like, we run the triangle offense, you know, like the triangle offense being very detailed and that's Greg Berhalter's system. It's very detailed. You have to know your responsibilities. You have to know what happens when, as opposed to being more free flowing and like, Hey man, let's just let these guys go play and let them figure it out. Am I, am I off base on I that? No, I think you're kind of on the point there, especially when you're going from a system, like, let's say you're more, more aggressive with your club, but you have to play more of a sitting role and Greg's system. Like it's, it's different. It's kind of like a, a innate like ability in your brain to kind of change that process of how you're supposed to play it's it's different and it's all about the reps like you said that you don't get them as much as what you do with the club uh yeah I, I do think it it kind of makes some challenges and it, and it seems like it affects guys when they first get with the program and mm-hmm. you know you can tell with the guys that have limited caps I, I know Scally kind of struggled and he's only had two caps with the, with the team um he kind of struggled in some of those friendlies but these guys have the talent. They play in these different systems. Come over here. It, it does impact them. Yeah, I. I Greg's going to want to do the type of thing. Typically, now maybe maybe he'll change it up. I mean, that would be awesome. Coaches have done this, but also <laughs> sometimes it's worked, and then sometimes it was Steve Sampson in uh, ninety or ninety eight where they went to a three six one and it they got utterly destroyed. By the way, one of the teams that did that was Iran. So let's not. Uh, anyway, let's not bring up bad mojo right before this World Cup where you also have to play Iran again. But you're also whatever. playing the matchup. Like you're playing the matchup. And, you know, as we, we get into expectation, like you have to realize that you play a Wales team. When you're just looking at this group overall, and Greg Berhalter has said this, and it's kind of dri- driven me crazy. Like, oh, what are your expectations for this tournament, Greg? Well, there are two separate tournaments. It's the it's the group stage, and then if we get through the group stage, then it's the knockout and anything can happen. It's like, no, man, you should you should know what you're going to do game in, game out. If you don't win this Wales game, then already like you're oh. then then you're behind the eight ball. Because if you don't get out of them, then you get England, and then you get a tussle with Iran who, on their day, will not only can beat you, will beat you. 
And so if you don't get out, and to Colin's point, what you're saying, maybe you change things up, you kind of have to get out in front of this thing. Like, you, you have to be attacking. Well, and beyond well, that, right. But Burhalter's system typically has been, we sit back, absorb pressure, and we his, his phrase he's used is, we like to disorganize the other opponent. And so, meaning, we're going to keep the ball away from you. We're going to kind of kick it around. The empty bucket is another term that's been used where it's like they kick it around the sides and then work it back to the middle and then back to the other side of the field and then back again. And the goal is to make the other team go, God damn it. And then they just run and get out of position and then you break them down and you hopefully go get a good chance. You know who's also hard in the head and coach like that? Whales. Yeah. They're going to try right. to do the same damn Wales thing going to do you. this too. And so that... Right. I'm with you that I take the fight to Wales. I say, let's go. Let's deploy these young guys who we've not had a lot of time with together. Let them go do their thing. Let them play in, in ways that they are comfortable playing in from what they've played previously when they were all together at the U15 and U17 and U20 level, all that stuff. Let them play that way. And then also what they've become comfortable doing with their club team. Let's do that. Let's Let's allow guys to flourish in ways that makes the most sense for them. This is a World Cup, man. Yeah. We're done with trying to figure it out and experiment. I know it. you got your system, but yeah. yeah, it's time to pull to pull all the strings and put all your chips on the table. But that Wales game is important, and like you said, Beam, because of the way this group stacks up, you play Wales first, then you play England, then you play Iran. Someone I'm, I'm sure that comes as news to you if you didn't listen to the thing I said five or ten minutes ago where I talked about all of our fun days we're doing with our global <laughs> soccer celebration. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Wales, if you don't get a Three points out of that game. Yeah, you're staring at death in the tournament. You basically need four points minimum to get out of this group because England is going to probably win it by winning two games. They will probably have a good opportunity to do that. They very well will beat the United States. Like, let's not mince words there. The U.S. is going to have a tough time getting anything other than, like, zero points out of that game. Yeah. So let's assume a loss with England just for now. And then if you can get the three points from Wales. Suddenly, you have more confidence in that England right. in that England game. Maybe it, you get a result you're not expecting. Maybe, maybe you have the a pressure little... of England being England, right. they stumble against Iran and draw. Like then, right. all of a sudden, right. and which could be of obviously a very big that thing. Could change things. They have histories of crashing out dramatically in big tournaments. But not you're... not recently. I mean, they got to the semifinals four years ago, and then got to the finals of the Euros last summer. So, like, this is a team over the recent years and the heartbreak that they've had, at least from an England perspective, that has gone on to do good things and they've been on the precipice of breaking through. So which England team are you going to get? Yeah, but the counter there is too, just as we talk about the U S and their, their September window that it was, you know, not very confidence instilling uh, what England went through, through the summer and some of their games yeah. they had was also not very, uh, very good for their, their mental state. No, you're right. And so while England, obviously anything could happen here, the likelihoods and the predictability of all yeah. this is that, your best chance at wins are going to be against Wales and Iran and your or results is probably the better way to say yeah. that, right? Your best chance of getting a result, either a tie or a win is, is those two games in the middle of that is the game you're most likely to lose if you play the odds and percentages. So if you come out of the gates and get a point against Wales, that's not great. Yeah. That puts way more pressure on. Well, now we got to get a result again, England too. Then you press and, and you're pressing they you and they that. could kill you with that. Yeah. Right. So being able to play England the way you want to versus trying to be desperate and say, we've got to get a point. At least we've got to try to win this game or tie it. That's going to make it tougher to beat England, ironically and weirdly enough. If you get the win against Wales, then I think you play a lot more free against England. I think you could play within Burr system. Yes. And then you can have, you can, and then you can try that strategy and see how that goes. But then either way, what happens with England in that game, if you lose it, you still got the three points in the bag and then you play Iran 
and maybe Iran has already eliminated themselves by losing two games or something like that. But then you know, like if we just kick the ball around for ninety minutes and keep Iran out of the goal, we advance yeah. to the we advance the next round. Like there's a good chance that happens. But if it's not that case, Iran has a win somewhere, then you start freaking out. And then you start saying, okay, now if we tie and we're different on goal differential, like we have to go get a win. That's why I'm saying like, even with a win, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Like even if you beat Wales, that's difficult, but I don't think you want to find your three points on the last match day. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you, I mean, like, you can't, you can't leave it to then. You've got to get your three points right off the bat to build confidence. So Obviously, I know that's the ideal situation, but that's also the... It's the most realistic situation, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think, I, think I think that's correct. Not that Wales is going to be easy. None of these teams are going to be easy. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. With all that said, I'll pose this question to both of you guys. What is the reasonable expectation? What is, like, bare minimum I want to see this from this team? And it could be getting out, you know, like, where you think they finish. It could be this type of play that you expect to see. It could be certain performances from players. What's like a bare minimum thing you're looking for? What's a, I think this is their huge potential in this tournament. And then here's the like 1% chances they could do this. Like, where do you guys fall on each of those type of questions? All right. So for me, I, I think you want to see this team. And again, I just go back to that first game. Uh, first game is so, so important for them to get a positive result. And no, I'm not talking about positive result. One point I'm talking about positive result three points and if Greg mixes the lineup up okay that's good but finally we've gotten to the golden boy we've gotten to Christian Pulisic who has had a lot of pressure on him and it was there four years ago when they missed out on the World Cup but I want to see him live up to the expectations man if you're going to be donned that and he's not the one who's donning himself or crowning himself that if you're going to be called the golden boy of the generation then you need to act like it like he needs to act like a player that was purchased for 60 million dollars and playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world you need to act like that and as well, Brendan Aronson, who's had some big moments, would love to see him get some run. And Tyler Adams, who is, I think, the best mixer-upper that you have on the field and will scrap with just about anybody in this entire tournament, play like that. Play yeah. like that because if you do, you're going to have Wales and Iran and England wanting to run their head through a wall because he has an innate ability to get under some of the best players in the world's skin, and that's great. So that, to me, baseline expectations, Christian Pulisic – Let's see it. And then Tyler Adams, go out and be what you are. Yeah, I like that, Colin. I mean, with FIFA, we, in EA Sports, we've already saw it. He's going to score five goals in five games. That's what they <laughs> yeah. they already told us. Yep, That's right. Is. I um, forgot they simulated No, that. I agree. I, I mean, I, I'm kind of in the mindset is I, I want to see them get out of the group stage. I, I think with the, the disappointments of last cycle and not making it, I, I just want to see some positive momentum with the program in terms of getting to that point. I know they could match up with possibly Argentina if they win the first game out of the group stage. And then that would be, you know, my expectations would be off the table at that point. I just love to see them put up a good fight, but yeah, no, it's about starting fast. I want them to be aggressive. I don't want a conservative lineup where you've got guys like Jesus Ferreira in this lineup and you're trying to play for a point in your, your system. Like, no, be aggressive, get some goals early, try to set the tone with your goal differential and get three points so that you don't have that pressure and let all the pressure be on England. You know, if, yep. There's more pressure on them to win that game than there would <laughs> yeah, be for right. us in that point. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it, it's getting off to a fast start. You don't want to start behind the eight ball. And then, you know, just kind of see where things fall. Maybe Iran gets a, a crazy tie with England in that first game, and then now you're playing with a completely different group than you thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's just so much that could happen. I, I want to see if they do go with Sargent to start at the nine. 
can he keep up the form he's had with yeah. club and can he be aggressive in that aspect? Like you want to see Pulisic be the golden boy and do what he does, but can you get actual play from your number nine that you've yeah. been asking for for this entire World Cup cycle? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys have said there. And I think to echo what you said about Tyler Adams, like, and this is this is my thought, not just with Tyler Adams, although I, I think he's got, <laughs> to to use the fun quote we're all using, I think he's got that dog in him. Like I like he's he is the guy that I think could really tune up a couple of players. I agree. Every game, get them into some situations where they retaliate, the other team does, and then suddenly you get yellow cards, you get free kicks out of nowhere because he's been doing that for sixty minutes, and now they get frustrated with him and they take it out on someone else, and then you get a good foul in a bad spot for them, and hopefully you convert. I want to know this about this U.S. national team. And uh, let's just pause here. If uh, you've been listening to this with your children, this may be a time where you just realize it's time for the grownups to have a little quick conversation. Let's all get together. Let's just listen as grownups. I want to know these guys are not fucking jersey pushers and are not guys who just sit around and sell Instagram likes and, and all that crap that everybody sees with this team and goes, yeah, look, Christian Pulisic, oh, I want to wear Nike, or oh, Tyler Adams is great, or oh, Brendan Aronson, eh. like, make it happen. Now's the time, Gio Reyna, like, nothing hurts. Your your ankle's a little sore, get out there. I don't care. <laughs> Tim Weah, you've got it. You've got everything. You are worth it. You can do it. Don't let anyone stop you when you get three guys chopping at your legs. You can do it, Jordan Morris. And put a hole through the goaltender. Like, I'm Dorman's, just telling you. Dortmund's not winning the German League. We all are yeah. the Bundesliga. We know that's not right. happening. Just Lay go it all out here. I'm just saying. I need to see this team not just be the guys that like get transferred all around Europe to sell a bunch of jerseys because Americans will buy them because we're gullible and stupid. And then they don't actually perform for their like now's the time to prove all those people wrong. who say Christian Pulisic wasn't worth $60 million. Like and, me. Right, right. Prove everyone wrong that says you are not those guys. You are not just there for the Instagram likes. You are there to player. actually win. You are. Yeah. Digital you're not just there an player. online chess player. So, all right. I had to get that off my chest. That's been years building for that. So your expectation, I mean, again, Colin said expectation, get out of the group. I think that's my expectation too. Now caveat. I'm terrified. Like I'm terrified. I'm terrified. But, but that's, but here's the thing. That's the, that's the thing about having expectations is sometimes they are scary and terrifying and you have to live up to them. Scared to be great. Right. Don't want to be scared to be great. That's it. I'm just saying I, my expectation is they have to get out of the group. Yeah. Uh, Baseline. Baseline. You have to find a way to do that because that's what this team was built to do. I don't know what's going to happen in the next World Cup, but I know in the next World Cup, the expectations are going to be, you think they're high now? Yeah. You think there's excitement now? Four years, less than four years from now, when you're playing on U.S. soil, mm-hmm. everyone's going to look to this, could this finally be the time where the U.S. wins a World Cup? That will be a stupid narrative, all right? That will be dumb to get to that. <laughs> like, because that's, like, is Brazil, like, there's 17 teams that we're probably looking at that go like, well, they have an outside shot, right? Like Cristiano Ronaldo has still not left Manchester United <laughs> in four years of time. My point is like, there are like nine really good soccer countries who are going to this World Cup saying we could win it all. And they're going to be absolutely disappointed because the one excellent team that does win it is going to probably beat five or six other yeah. ridiculously talented, far better than the U.S. has ever put together teams. And they're going to all be thinking that same thing this time and four years from now. Will the U.S. win the World Cup in four years' time? I doubt it. But what you cannot do is get bounced in the group stage yet again and have four more years of looking at this going, well, 
Maybe, well, Greg, Greg maybe is fired. Next time Greg's we, fired if that oh, happens. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's an argument to be made. Maybe there's just maybe that should just be a thing anyway. Not firing him, but saying you get four years with this group, and then we bring in another guy from like January 2023, yeah. and that guy goes for the next three and a half years, and that's and then after that cycle, you get another person, and you just keep doing this every four years because it shouldn't be a permanent twenty year job. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a six year job. It should be a one cycle type of job. In my mind, where you go through, you build the club, you do the strategy, and then. After that, everyone resets. You get a shot at it. Everyone resets, and then you you build off of what you learn, but maybe a new coach comes in and says, I like this player, but I think I could do this. I like that he runs him out there in like a – I think he could be a false nine as opposed to how they deploy him. And let that guy go have another four years to fix that, work that, see what happens. But, but yeah, definitely, if they don't make it out of the group, Greg doesn't get another shot with this team. No chance. And you have to do that instantly. You don't don't wait around until summer of 24 to decide, oh, yeah, maybe we got a two-year cycle here. No, like... Well, yeah, because you nailed it. You have to build the momentum of hosting on your own turf for the next cycle. So if you go into that with what feels like a lame duck head coach, like (laughs) that's going to kill all of the excitement. And not to get too far ahead on that, but last thought on, on that 2026. Like, you're guaranteed to be in. Go crazy with the next hire. Like the next coach can be a nut job. <laughs> like, cause you don't have to worry about qualifying. So let him go out there and do all these crazy, like, you know what? We've never tried. We've the US has never played this way, but we're gonna try it. Like, give it a shot. Like you've got four years to to work a new system, a completely yeah. different identity for this team than the team that sits back, absorbs nine thousand shots in the box, and then has two counters, and they have to hit one of them to win one nothing. You don't have to be that team anymore. I don't think they are that team right now. But Greg Berhalter plays that way of we're going to sit back, absorb pressure, try to break you down that way. If we have possession of the ball, that's great. But we want to make sure that you know we play it slow. You can go out there and be the like crazy attacking team four years from now. This tournament, probably not yet. Worst case scenario, this tournament, they do that, they get scored on in every game. Yeah. I I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> like that, honestly. You're like, right. You're right. But I'm saying next, you get, you have four years to figure that out. With what you have with Greg, I want to see them play that, that empty bucket system precisely the way it's meant to be played in that you break down teams just enough, but you don't do it. You don't overkill. You don't sit there for 10 minutes where you're going... We haven't even put the ball into the 18 mm-hmm. and we've just been screwing around, kicking it back and forth. Like I want to see this team break down teams efficiently, not just waiting around for someone to make the biggest mistake they've ever made in a world cup. And then you can score on them. No, like I want them to take the fight while still maintaining the principles of what this team does on well, the frustration with that. Colin, you can attest to this is that they're so talented. And then they play that system. And it's like, well, if you just let these guys go. And I think that's why us yeah. men's national team fans are kind of upset with the way that this is going. Cause you look at this, look at this roster. I mean, it's, it, it's heads and shoulders above where it was eight years the ago. The fact that Gio Reyna and Brendan Aronson may be coming off the bench for this team. Yeah. Is ridiculous. Like that's how, I mean, they are stacked in the top half. Like the attacking half of this roster is pretty loaded. Never mind the fact you could get your fullbacks involved too. And, really be doing something. But. Yeah. And I think that's what is disappointing. So maybe Greg does have a wrinkle. Maybe he does have a wrinkle, but the way that this has trended, it's going to be the same, like, all right, we're going to play kickball and kick, play kickball. If we get the ball, great. We're going to try to keep it. We're going to try to defend to the death. And then we're going to try to win it in like the 80th minute. Like that's, that's the way that they do it. It's the way that they do it. But they, but when they were good against Mexico, they didn't play that way. Yeah. Right. I mean, like when they, when they went out and won some of these big games, that that happened this cycle where they played really well. They didn't do that. And so I hope they won't do it in these next three games. And then we go from there. So 
All right. Uh, I guess that's it. We all, so are, are we all predicting they get out of the group? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't sound so confident, <laughs> Colin. We all, um, we all know that's the expectation. I think they will. I, I think they will. And then we'll be bitterly disappointed when they don't. All right. Yeah. So on our previews that we did, we, I guess we this, got them out of the group. All right. We have them coming out of the group, and both you and I picked the entire World Cup, which is a thousand percent going to be wrong. That's a hundred percent. We have them facing Netherlands. <laughs> oh, we have them facing Netherlands and Virgil Van Dijk. Well, you know what though? Like, because Netherlands comes out of the group that is Cutter's group, yep. which means there's and Senegal. Not, yes. Yes. But. That means they're not going to face like almost every other group has a team that is one of the top seven teams, top eight teams, you know, it would be cutter is the eighth team in group a or in the pot yeah. a when they drew these. That's right. So the U S the positive way to look at that is they would be playing a team in the next round. That's not one of the best eight teams in the tournament. Right. I mean like, or, or seven teams in the tournament, mm-hmm. like Netherlands might be eight, <laughs> but there, there's a chance they're playing a team that's, not as hard as, let's say, like if you drew Brazil or if you drew France or if you drew Argentina, you, which is a possibility in the second round of the knockout. Yeah, That's right. If yeah. you shock the world in the group stage. Oh, my gosh. And you get out of the group, you perhaps have a dance of destiny with our, with with Netherlands or with Senegal. And then if you get through that, you're basically on a head-on collision course with Lionel Messi and Argentina. Could you imagine? No, oh, wait, no, yeah. I can't. No, I can't imagine that. Colin, I think you, they, I, they get don't out. Do you of think the, that would be one of the biggest TV numbers ever if that was what happens? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you think about the roster that you played against. Again, we don't want to talk too much about that game, but against no. Belgium uh, mm. back then, I yeah. mean, <laughs> it was loaded. And that's it's, the best. It's part all the same the, guys. It's the best part about the World Cup because that Belgium game can happen. Yeah, like it can, it can happen, and you can win a game against that team. The Germany 2002 game yeah. can happen, where the U.S. outplayed Germany for the majority of that game, and Germany got a goal that was fine, and then the U.S. had a goal disal- not disallowed. It was stopped because a guy stuck his hand out on the line, and they didn't call it. And that could have been the difference between the U.S. going to the final four, mm-hmm. to the last, to the to the semis. Of the World Cup, they were that they were a hands width away from possibly going, and we'll never know. But I'm just saying, this U.S. national team has had some better success. They have played with some of the best teams, different iterations of this team. U.S. has this is the most talented group we've ever taken to a World yep. Cup. So yep. by far, by far. So the chances are there. Act like it. I like that. Act like <laughs> it. You're that guy. Yeah. Except You're, for when you play Virgil Van Dyke in the Netherlands. So. Mm. Oh. He's he sucks. Though. You know what? We'll cross. It. He sucks. Not the Velvet Rope Club anymore. <laughs> well, you know what? Well, if we get to that bridge, we'll cross it when we get there. That's right. And we'll I will be it. thrilled when we cross there. All right. So I think we're all predicting them to get out of the group, and then we're hanging on for dear life throughout all of it. Thank you for listening to our World Cup preview. Make sure you check out all of our other podcasts that we did to preview the World Cup. Make sure you check out Mad About Hoops, the college basketball podcast. Neighbor Eric, it's probably his favorite one because I know oh, how much yeah. he loves college basketball. <laughs> Colin Berger, Evil Bald Colin, thanks for joining us on this and. uh Go USA. It's great, man. Go USA. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next time and have a great World Cup. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.